Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Mosey Romney, a Jamaican-American artist. They received their education from SUNY Purchase, obtaining a Bachelor of Science in Visual Arts in 2016, and currently lives and works in Ridgewood, Queens, New York. Mosey has participated in residency programs that include the Home School in Hudson, New York in 2018, and Oaxaca City later this year. Their solo exhibition titled Energy Never at the Nicodem Gallery in Los Angeles just recently closed May 1st. Solo exhibitions in 2020 include the Y2K Group, the Nicodem Gallery, and the Meredith Rosen Gallery in New York. Mosey is currently in a group show at the All Main Rush Gallery in Manhattan. Their work is held in many private collections. And before we begin, I provide a peek into their narrative by quoting Mosey, children are genderless and free. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast and enjoy this episode featuring painter Mosey Romney. Mosley, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I've been excited about the idea of featuring you. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here <laughs> talking you. with you. And you just got back from the West Coast, where it was nice and warm and sunny. I'm jealous. So yeah. um, <laughs> so we can talk about that when we, we get to your show. So until then, though, tell us, when did you discover your artistic passion? When did you realize that you really are an artist? Mm, I've known for a really long time. And I think when my grandma started uh, sourcing material for me to create work while I was at her house, while she was babysitting me, mm. is when I realized that other people see it as well. I've always been kind of like different and like yearning for more and looking for new ways of expression and like you know doing my hair in funny ways or making cutting my hair a lopsided or wearing a shirt backwards or something like that and <laughs> um my grandma always really embraced that and validated that and i think that she helped me realize that um, making art and being an artist was okay and valuable do you recall if there are any particular artists that you started to admire at a young age yeah, um, I really liked Claude Monet when I was younger. Um, I, would, I had access to the Met um, growing up in New York, so I would go look at the water lilies. I'd go to see the Picassos and was just able to really see all of the quote-unquote masters do, do their work, you know, it, and yeah, that really inspired me. And I've always been like, yeah, I want to, I used to say, I want to work in a museum. And then something shifted after I worked in a museum for a while, 
a few museums and I was like, oh, I want to be in museums. I want my work in museums. So, yeah. So when you were studying the, the master's paintings, what in particular did you focus on? Was it their color? Was there use of color, the, the figures, the flower? I mean, what, what was it? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I, I like a lot of work that isn't necessarily figurative. Um, I really liked seeing the artist's process, like Claude Monet's, like the way he painted color, water and light was really exciting to me. And I was just like, whoa, like I am 12 years old and I'm tripping while I'm looking at this painting. Like that is so <laughs> exciting and so beautiful. How can I emulate that? Um, you know, I've seen like Matisse, like Red Studio, I believe that's what it's called. And just like the way he layered color on top of color and, and created like a monochromatic painting of sorts was exciting to me. So do you have any childhood memories that are reflected in your work? Like common themes, common memories? Yeah, um, I paint a lot of children by the by a pool or by bodies of water. And I grew up with a pool in my backyard. Um, I'm from Jamaica, Queens, an odd place to have a pool in a backyard, but it was an above ground pool that my family inherited when they bought this house in Jamaica, Queens, in Queens Village. And I spent, I had a lot of time there where I was able to practice my freedom, where I was able to like overcome some fears of like swimming in water and also be a little bit comfortable and uncomfortable with my gender you know I would be with my brother and my brother could be topless and we we're both flat chested and I'd always like question why was he allowed to be flat chested and I had to wear this like top and it really yeah the pool is is a really um loaded place for black people naturally you know like public public pools are really complicated for black people and um there's also some class division Within pools, like if you have a large an underground pool, that means something about your money. If you have an above ground pool, you know, that's kind of small. Like what I had, you know, that says something about your class. And those intersections have found their way into my work. I notice that you include animals in your work also. Yeah, my show at Nicodem Energy Never includes an installation of a large 3D printed bell and these Siamese cat figurines underneath them and on a pedestal and you know I'm not I don't I wouldn't say like I'm an animal person I have a dog but I wouldn't say I'm like a, a an animal artist I, I feel like I'm an animal figurine artist <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not a cat person I'm a cat figurine person my grandma used to collect Siamese cats um, and put them around the house with her collection and they've always felt kind of ancestral for me because they've always been around and I know other people that have also had parents grandparents that have collected or parents that have collected these Siamese cats or these little figurines and they've also have always been there and they they create this kind of memory or presence in their life yeah, they just, the these objects end up feeling ancestral, and so they feel important to include um, in the work when I'm talking about timelessness and memory. You have a solo show right now? At, yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Nicodeme, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the show is called Energy Never, and it includes eight paintings. And one painting that I'm really excited about is called in a roundabout way and it's a bell that I got 3D print printed from a bell that I have in my collection. I 
collect bells. Um, and this bell was given to me by my partner. And it's just a, it's a beautiful, simple bell that has like cherries on it, but I blew it up to 54 inches and made a painting on it. And I found myself making this painting when I was kind of exhausted by the two dimensional realm. And I was called to like do something more three dimensional while also remaining figurative. I feel like the bell has a figurative kind of feel to it just because like the actual bell feels like a bottom and the stem feels like a head. It just reminds me of like Simone Lee's sculpture. Yeah, it, it also feels like a painting. I, I really treated it like a painting, painting the inside, painting the outside, trying different techniques on it. So it falls in between sculpture and painting and that was really exciting. And then the other paintings, are a lot of them have children in them. A lot of my work has children in them because I feel like children are really genderless and so free and just excited to do anything, you know? Like I have a nephew that's four years old now and like every time I see him, he's like doing something really crazy and outlandish and kind of abolitionist. He's just like, I'm just living my life and I want to like, <laughs> eat this applesauce with uh, like with one of my shoes on and a hat like <laughs> hanging off my ear and that's just how it is and there's something really freeing exciting about that um and it's until we grow and are socialized into being a certain way that we like lose that kind of freedom and so painting children just offers me like a sense of freedom and allows me to recall memories that I don't always have access to wouldn't be wonderful if we could all hold on to some of our ch our childlike qualities i'm really trying <laughs> I try sometimes myself. And it's helpful to have friends that are all ages. Yeah, yeah, know. that's really important for me. My nephew definitely feels like a friend. Um, and I have some older friends that have also turned into mentors that just really keep me timeless and experienced. And I'm so grateful for them. Well, thank you for appreciating us. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be older too one day. I'm like, I want my friends to like exactly. <laughs> me, but just the same. Yeah. When I first discovered you on Instagram, I was looking at paintings, abstraction, collage, all that stuff together. And, and now you're doing sculptures and in this installation that you discussed. What, what was that journey like? What, in, what inspired that? Yeah, I think I was just looking for more dimension for a while and painting on canvas started to feel less exciting. I'm a Gemini, so I constantly need to like keep exploring or else I get bored really quickly. So my work will always change because I'm not really interested in mastery. I'm interested in experimenting and trying new things. So I think the bell or working in sculpture, I, I kind of feel like it's still a painting. It's a sculptural painting, but it just what came to me at a time when I needed to explore sound painting, sculpture, experimenting, and meditation. I, I use bells in my meditation all the time. So it just, it felt like the next thing to do. And I'm excited to continue making them um, and maybe do some performance work, maybe a sound bath with these bells that I've created. So, so what overcomes you when you walk into your studio or if you look, when you look at a blank canvas? Well, I work from images often. I spend a lot of time on eBay um, searching for images of Black people, like from the 90s all the way to like the 30s, all the way to like current 
day. I find that there are a lot of images on eBay being sold, a lot of images of Black people being sold by white people on eBay. And I'm just like, oh, I, I want those. Those are mine now. And I take those, the people from the images and create new stories for them. And I think that's when I get into my studio, I'm like, oh, like what story can I tell today? Or how can I give this person new life? And I, I feel like that's that. a really radical act. <laughs> I love to, it. To find a black a black person in a photograph and, and bring them into life today. Yeah. I wonder if they would like it today. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> what do you feel is the purpose of art? Hmm. There's so many purposes. I tend to run on the side of thinking that all art is valuable, no matter like who is making it. Um, I think it's a beautiful way to express your humanity and for other people to connect with that. So I really think it's, it's just to add beauty or ugliness or mess into the world to comment on what, what we're going through and what we're experiencing. I really, I, you know, Nina Simone said that artists should be telling the times, you know, we should be like talking about the times. And yeah, I think that's, that's important. How did COVID impact you? COVID really, this is controversial, but COVID really did wonders for my practice. I'm a naturally very social person. I'm always out at the club. I'm always out at dinner with friends. And it really invited me to slow down and get intimate with my studio and was really like a blessing for me. It came at the perfect time. Once I was able to like slow down and hone in on my craft, people started noticing the work and that was really exciting for me. And I think I want to carry that kind of slowness into my new life when the world opens up again. Do you think the museums, do you think they're awake now? Do you think they'll continue to be as enthusiastic about showcasing artists of color you know, a year from now, two years from now? I hope so. I'm demanding it and and so it shall be an even better. It's, it's only going up from here for yeah. Black artists and artists of color. Um, yeah, I'm claiming that. We are here to stay. Yeah, I think that's the right attitude to have. <laughs> and I think that's the attitude that's being embraced. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the media tends to focus on the negative, but there are a lot of really good things happening right now. And how, how do you define Black art? If a Black person has made it, it's Black. It's <laughs> yep. Black art. That's it. So, so what do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? Mm, I really, I'm really enjoying the freedom to like look and observe um, and to create. I feel it's such a luxury to be able to slow down and take my time in the studio and to take my time to just like look and see what's going on in the world and process it at my, at my pace. I feel like capitalism doesn't really allow for the average worker to really like slow down and take in the, the, the current events or like the political climate. And I'm so grateful to have that space to do so. And, and when you're creating, do you ever think about who your audience is? I am trying not to do that much anymore. There was a time where that was a lot of what I was thinking about and I was thinking about the market and how black artists are hot right now and the work will get flipped and you know, all of this stuff. And I think to free myself, I'm just making work that feels exciting to me and that I feel will re other people will respond to with positivity. And if you're 
if you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's okay too, you know? It's a lot to choose from, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, you know, there's figurative work, there's abstraction, there's photography. I mean, yeah. And and it's so beautiful that we have all of these choices. How exciting. Yeah, no, it really is. You know, I was reading about you and I read that you favor a poet, Edward Glissant. Mm -hmm. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I think Glissant had a really beautiful way of saying that we get to choose our own destinies and we get to make our symbols mean what we want them to mean. And they don't always have to be straightforward. There can be some kind of abstraction there. And and, and I, I really appreciate that, especially as a, a Black poet. And I feel like poetry is, is a roundabout way of really telling the truth. And he does it with so much ease and so much curiosity that yeah I'm just excited by him. What's the thought process when you think about the title that you're going to assign to a painting or a sculpture? That's a great question. I started I've always written poetry or just like heard snippets of what people have been saying and have written them down and so they find their way into the work. Sometimes it's literally just based on what what's happening in the painting and it's a simple title. It's like an ever-changing process for me. And the colors that you choose. I loved your work. I loved it. It's so colorful and positive Thank energy. You. It just makes you feel good when you look at it. So how do you choose your, your color palette? Yeah, um, um, it feels really intuitive to me to just pick colors and go with it. I went to art school and had trouble accepting that certain colors look good with certain colors because in like my mom's household and and a Jamaican household, like color theory is out the door, you know, and like she just smashes these colors together and it's like, whoa, like (laughs) this tropical dream I'm experiencing is so rejuvenating. And I, yeah, I just, I just kind of go with what feels good when it comes to color. And and that's been exciting and keeps the energy flowing and, and keeps you a little, it, it comes sometimes with a little off, and that's cool. I like that. I'm not I'm per- interested in perfection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there's perfection. You can find perfection and imperfection or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything perfect is a little boring. So you use a lot of different materials, um, sand, chalk. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I consider myself to be a collections artist as well. So I collect a lot of brooches. I collect bells, you know, clothes, doilies. And I just use those things in the work to leave evidence of what was and what is to come. I also really love glitter. As a child, I would like make little spells and use glitter to seal the spell. And like, I remember when I got to college, someone told me that we are made up of the same thing as stars. And I was (laughs) like, oh my God, I'm a star. And I wore glittery clothes like for a year straight. So I just really try to embody material. And yeah, I I don't mind if it's a little kitschy or or, um, not so cute to like just stick a brooch on a painting. Um, That that excites me. You know, a couple of times during our chat, you've commented about highlighting images, people from the past. I get the impression that makes you feel good that you enjoy that, you respect. Yeah, ancestry is really important for me. I feel like my ancestors, and those aren't people that aren't necessarily related to me. Like I feel like Nina Simone is an ancestor, James Baldwin is an ancestor, 
these people have really guided me with language, with song, with painting. And it's important for me to honor that. Um, and when I'm looking at these photographs of people from the past in leisure, having their photograph taken in their home, I'm like, you are embodying ease and you want people to see that. And this is, you want this picture to be taken and you want to be seen in this relaxed way. And that is how I want to be seen. I want to live my life with as much pleasure as possible and ease as possible. So these works just remind me to keep doing that. And my ancestors also remind me to just, you know, rely on them and I'll be okay. Yeah. Live life to its fullest. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and appreciate all the beauty that we have in our lives because it's mm -hmm. there. So this has been a great talk. I have one more question for you, mostly. Mm -hmm. What do you feel is your role as an artist? Mm. My role as an artist is to have fun, to show the times, to ask questions, and to change it up all the time. You know, I, I feel a, a lot of people have said, like, your paintings... Like I can tell your all of your paintings are made by you, but they vary in some way often. There's like always something new happening in the work. And um, that's very important for me to, to constantly outdo myself or try something new. And I think that's really important for artists is to just keep pushing those boundaries. It's been, it's been so fun interviewing you mostly. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to share some new work with you guys out there listening. Great. <laughs> And yeah, keep keep checking on me. No, I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on you. I, I have I've been, but no, I'm I'm curious to watch your career. So you know, my eyes are there. So yeah, thank you again for your time. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit cerebralwomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.